and the best thing about that is, you know, these people who are attempting therapy and really taking these steps, once they start to see what they can get from it, it, they're not just going to stop because the election's over or because a vaccine comes out, right? Because there's always going to be more fear. There's always going to be more trauma to deal with. Um, And like you said, life goes on. Welcome to a new month. Today is Sunday, November 1st, 2020. We have recently fallen back. It's been dark since 5 p.m. I'm not happy about it. We are sitting here two days away from a massive election, and I'm joined tonight by um, a wonderful, beautiful soul that I have just met a couple nights ago. Her name is Erica, um, and we are going to be talking about mental health and trauma tonight. I think a really relevant topic for this year, mm-hmm. always, definitely, mm-hmm. especially in the United States, but especially for this year. So Erica, um, just to kick it off, I'm going to give you the opportunity to let the cat out of the bag right away as to why we're talking about mental health and trauma, mm-hmm. had that come up, mm-hmm. but just to tee it off my intro, Erica, she is a beautiful wordsmith. Um, was working as a writer for a publishing and magazine company out here in Colorado up until Friday. Um, so officially unemployed. And officially unemployed. In an interesting time mm-hmm. as well. Um, so go ahead and introduce yourself. Anything else you'd like to say about who you are and what you do and why we're talking about mental health and trauma today? I'm Erica Bueller. I'm 25. Bueller. Um, Bueller, anyone? <laughs> um, I am a writer. Uh, I love plants, animals, and all the therapeutic benefits that come along with those. Um, anything good for the earth. Mm. So, um, yeah. And so if you want me to jump right into kind of why this came about. Yeah, go for um, it. So recently. I'm a plant and animal lover too, by the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so good for mental health for the earth. We can talk about it. Yeah, we um, will. Yeah, so uh, I'm Erica. I am a daughter. Um, and I say that because my dad, um, as of two weeks ago, my dad, who is back in my home state of Connecticut, been in Colorado for about a year now, um, had a massive stroke. Um, it was totally, you know, one of those things that you sort of worry about if you have any kind of anxiety, those sort of like situations that are constantly sort of gnawing in the back of your head and just for it to actually happen was like a huge out of the blue crumbling of my world. Wait, you've imagined or thought about, you mean just something happening, but not specifically a stroke. Not specifically a stroke. Okay. It's like, wait a second. (laughs) No, I mean, as someone who suffers from anxiety, um, and I think a lot of people can, might relate to this, that you're always sort of trying to quote unquote, prepare yourself for mm. situations to happen. And especially depending on like how you grew up, what your childhood was like, what past traumas you've suffered. Um, and so my dad, for me being 25, my dad's a little older. He's actually 71. Mm. Um, and so knowing that growing up, I've always known and was aware of that he was older. So I've always kind of been preparing myself to have to deal with like aging parents um, at a younger age. 
Mm, than most oh, people. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So like, I wouldn't have even thought of that. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, I, I manage my anxiety and, you know, like, I mean, we can talk about how like I personally choose to do that and what there's, you know, out there for people. Um, doesn't mean it ever totally goes away. And so I actually was talking about this with my therapist recently that, you know, I've tried to justify all this worry as preparing myself for what's going to happen. And it's at the end of the day, it's still just worry. And it's Mm. like not good to kind of hold on to that stuff. But because, you know, this happened, right. This like factor of an aging parent, this like total emergency out of the blue. And it's not like I was any more prepared for it. (laughs) I was just about to say, did all of that worrying help? No, of course it doesn't. No. Just took you out of life otherwise. Right. Right. And so, um, so yeah, so the last few weeks have been, uh, interesting, eventful. Um, I flew back to Connecticut um, to be and there for my family. Before you get all into yeah, it, I just yeah. to, sorry that that oh, happened. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think anyone that's listening and myself, like, of course, sending you and your family, yeah. like so much love. Thank you. And good is what's going on with your dad right now. As He's of doing today? okay. So okay. he had what's called a tracheostomy today. So, so he was on a breathing tube um and oh so he'll have that forever now right nope Don't they... not forever okay they are reversible which is a nice wow, thing okay yeah um and so also just for anybody out there who have like family members that you know are dealing with covid i mean a breathing tube is no joke i mean that, that like that is uncomfortable it looks it's just it's not good so please try to, you know, keep everybody safe with, with COVID stuff, just because you don't want to see family members all hooked up like that. Speaking from personal experience from the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, Well, okay. Well, I'm glad he's doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing better. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but you can go back to whatever you were saying. I mean, it is COVID. Yeah. You, so your family's in Connecticut where you were born. My family's in Connecticut. Yep. I, I've been in Colorado for a year, which was a big step. So I'm, kind of an only child and we can talk about that too um but I'm I'm essentially an only child and so moving out here was a big step um also something to be anxious about and fearful and guilty and all those weird feelings um knowing that I was leaving all my family and my aging parents behind and so this happening and me being so far away is every anxious person's worst nightmare. Mm. So, so yeah, so I, I did go back. I spent some time with him. Um, and <laughs> I think it's <laughs> funny that you say it's any anxious person's worst nightmare. I think it's a or lot any, of people's worst nightmare. For sure. Period. Having anxiety and knowing that you already have it, I think adds another layer. I don't yeah. know, but like, yeah, that would be. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. I mean, and life is, a bunch of big decisions that we have to make right so it's like risk reward and having to navigate that I think maybe for people with or who you know are dealing with anxiety it's it's harder to to navigate those decisions because it's like you're always worrying about what the risk is Mm. not necessarily the reward of it Mm. sure sure yeah so yeah worry I think is like the key word and you brought it up it's come up a couple times yeah and if you're worried, yeah, of course, you're not thinking about reward, nothing. Um, okay, I'm going to switch gears a lot because we could get into the details of yeah. what happened and traveling during COVID times and all that. And maybe we will. Um, and just want to acknowledge you for being so brave and open and like, thank you for sharing something that's literally going on right now. 
with everybody that could be listening. Yeah. If it were me, Erica. So I've been really blessed in my life that I haven't had a lot of trauma. Really blessed. I feel fortunate every day. My, I've had a couple of things. Um, and my dog passed away like a year and a half ago, really suddenly and traumatically right in front of me. Oh, um, and thank you. Um, it's, but I couldn't talk about it without being emotional. Mm-hmm. And you're talking to me about this. And we were talking about what happened three days ago. I was going to say three days later. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> three days passed. Um, like this. Mm. Yeah. How do you do? Is that a coping mechanism? Because we're talking sure. about dealing with tra- like talk to me about that and what's really going on and have you learned to do that? Yeah, um, throughout your life. Yeah. So this like nonchalance that I'm talking to you about all this stuff is, I believe, a hundred percent a coping mechanism. I haven't had a therapist tell me officially yet, but I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> like, do we need someone to tell you? <laughs> do we need an authority on the subject? Um, I don't think so. I think we both know. Like, yeah. So, yeah, my, for a 25 year old, I've been through a lot of traumas. Um, Is there any that you would like to share? Do you think that are especially relevant? Yeah. So when I was four, um, my younger brother, who was two at the time, um, had passed away from kidney failure. So um, that was Okay, this is why kind of an only child, yes, kind yes, of a sister, extent. I was saying. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, so that was, I mean, probably the biggest one. Um, and the, I'm so sorry. Thank you. It's, it, in a weird way, it's, it's shaped who I am. Um, but it's, it's definitely the it biggest has. part. Yeah. Of, you know, maybe perhaps the biggest trauma. I mean, the thing about trauma, though, um, and, and this isn't my like original idea because I've heard this kind of talked about, but it's not, you know, lots of people like to assume that trauma is this big, huge thing, oftentimes, if not always loss, right? Hmm. But it is so much more than that. And so much more complex. There are so many layers. It could be big. It could be small. Well, people say that as a, as a, I was going to say as a country, but this is not a U.S. problem. It's a global problem right now. The whole world's going through trauma right exactly. now. Exactly. And it's, but it is lost, but it, it, there's so much more to it than exactly. just that. But exactly. But yeah, yeah. Trauma. Trauma. Now that you say that, I'm like, well, how would we define it? What exactly. does that mean? Do you know how you would define it? Um, I mean, something that affects you emotionally and in the ways that you communicate and do things with people. I'm literally going to look it up. The definition. <laughs> Some, so you basically you're saying something that happens that affects your being. Like you're, uh, like affects you emotionally. I don't, literally um, the definition of, okay. And it has nothing to do with loss. Mm. Uh, it is a noun, of course. Uh, a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Mm. Yeah. Or, or it, as it relates to medicine, it's a physical injury. Mm-hmm. Trauma Which is to a, your knee. An interesting way Trauma to think to, about it. Totally is. So a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could be you watching the worst horror movie of your life and having nightmares for three months. Like, well, it's, it's so interesting because a couple weeks ago I was driving on the highway and I saw right in front of my eyes a motorcycle crash and the guy died. I mean, it sucked. 
and it was traumatic. It was one of the most horrible things I've ever seen, but I wouldn't call that trauma. Mm. I would call it traumatic. Like that would be the right. adjective I put to it. But that is trauma. For that sure. is deeply disturbing. I mean, I couldn't sleep for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I mean, this kind of blowing my mind right now. I think of, yeah, trauma is like something really bad had to happen, but it is loss related. So, but yeah. A lot, of, yeah, a lot of it's law. I mean, any kind of abuse, you know, I feel like loss and kind of abuse are the two big ones, but there's, yeah, I mean. But there's could, so much in between. It's right. literally just a dramatic, or that didn't say dramatic. Wow, I threw that in. Holy moly, <laughs> Jamie. Um, it shows you what I think of trauma and how we deal with it right. and response and don't be dramatic. Don't cry. Okay. Let's move on from the definition. Cause we get it. <laughs> and I want to go back to how you, you deal with trauma and like, yeah, how you're able to just talk about this. Is it actually healthy? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, in one way it could be healthy because I'm at least willing to talk about it. Right. Like there's, Amen. there's so many people that, and not, I don't mean willing, like I'm choosing to, like I'm able to, yeah, yeah, how yeah. I should put it. Like some people internalize that stuff. I know a lot of people and close forever. to me. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's part of being uncomfortable about vulnerability and talking about those things. It's, you know, fear of what will happen or how you will feel if you get it out. Um, and not to say that those aren't concerns of mine too, but the stuff that I've had to deal with, um, in my life and the way sort of that I was brought up with my family, I, I essentially had to develop this like thick skin as I'll put it. So, um, humor for me and like joking is a way for me to cope with that. And totally nonchalant attitude is a way to, it takes away the severity of it. Exactly. Make it more casual, make it more comfortable to deal with. And for, I mean, more comfortable for other people to deal with, because Mm. I also don't want to be the person that's like, you know, getting really emotional and then making you uncomfortable. Right. Uh, Of course. So that one is interesting. And I was going to ask you about that later on is how do you deal with, are you able to talk about it? Do you feel like you can, do you feel like people are receptive? Because I start, you asked me, how long have you been doing this, Jamie? Mm-hmm. This is before we started, of course. Um, and I was like, a couple, a couple years. One of the things that I started doing was something called the, how are you really project? All designed about genuinely meaning it when you ask that question and also genuinely answering, talking about vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And so many people said, not about asking it, but answering. Nobody really wants to hear what I have to say or people can't handle it. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't tell you nine out of 10 times that was the response I got. Mm -hmm. Have you found that to be true? Because me personally, I find that when I come from a place of like true vulnerability and saying, this is where I'm at nobody just turns you away. Sometimes you don't get the answer that you're hoping for, but like people can hang. Yeah. And people will hear it. Yeah. Is my experience. So what do you think about that? I mean, I guess it depends on the person too. So like, or the situation, the the setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, say, say you have some trauma that I don't know about that you haven't dealt with. And I say something that really resonates with you, but you're totally not at that level to deal with it yet I mean then then I will get that response like you said that maybe I'm not hoping for and that vulnerability just doesn't match Mm. and so I think if if everyone could try to find the strength to like take some steps to 
confront their own trauma or like somehow deal, just like find it. It would be easier for everybody. I couldn't agree more. It's why I do this podcast <laughs> um, because all it takes is seeing somebody. It's a domino effect, yeah. I think. Like, what about your own personal experience, Erica? You've been through a bunch of stuff, right? So you've talked about it. You're talking about it with me. Yeah. Have you always talked about it? And what has people's responses been on the other end? Because it's one thing to tell people, oh, yeah, do this. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. It's like somewhat. But right, what right. about like, what have you actually been through? I mean, you were four when your brother died, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. When did you start talking about that? Oof. Did you? 20s. Okay. Mm. And you're 25. Yeah. <laughs> so, so talking about this stuff hasn't always been a thing. No, 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 no. Okay. Tell me no. about that. Okay. Yeah. So aside from anxiety, depression is a huge thing. They go hand life. in hand. They though. do. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the time. So, and sometimes not, but sure. a lot of the times, yes. Um, and so in my teenage years and so like, like childhood, I mean, the few years after my brother's passing are like a weird blur. I don't really have a lot of memories from that. I'm sure that's trauma being locked away somewhere, you know? Mm. Um, but do you remember your parents at that time? Or like, did you all talk about it? No, see, that's the thing. So I didn't really come from a very emotionally open family or support system or however you want to kind of call it. Well, talk about thick skin. I yeah. mean, one of the things you told me is that both your parents had been through their own traumas oh, God, and yeah. a bunch of it. Yeah. So if they had to deal with, have thick skin, but then there's a part of me that's like, if you've been through all that and you know you all been through all that, you right. talk about it, but this is like, everybody handles things differently. So anyway, right. okay, continue. <laughs> so you didn't come from a very open family necessarily. Right, right. So talking about it wasn't, and, and there were other things happening, other traumas um, going on at the same time. So it wasn't a very open, healthy, like let's get it all out sort of atmosphere. Okay. Um, and, and that's, you know, my parents are dealing with their own stuff individually as a couple and then there was me and this whole like big blow up of our family of my brother's passing. And it just, there was a lot happening. So, and I don't think, I mean, no one's really ever equipped to deal with anything, but we just, we, we just weren't equipped for that to happen and for us to deal with it as a family. Um, and so because of that, I sort of kind of retreated into myself. And so like my bedroom became my safe haven, mm. just where you could be alone you know, nothing else can really matter. And for my teenage years, the depression really hit like hard. And so it was, it was. Did something trigger that or was it just, I don't typical teenage. I think it's typical teenage stuff, but, but you, you get this awareness once you're kind of in your teens that you don't really have as a child. I mean, you have this sort of like, I mean, I wish that every child could experience some kind of like carefree, happy childhood. Right. And that's not the case, but you know, if you do have that, there's this like non-awareness where you're just like a kid and you're just doing kid stuff if that's your situation. And so I think when you become a teenager and you're, you know, there's more you're learning about in school, you're, you're meeting people, um, you're really learning about life and learning about yourself, you get this awareness. And so, you know, I really sort of had to grapple with the idea of death, the deal with not having my brother, all the what ifs, you know, Mm. which is the worst part. Um, And it just, you know, it makes it so much harder. And so depression really hit hard for me because I was in like 
kind of taking in all that information at once from stuff that happened years ago, but I wasn't talking to anybody about it. I wasn't talking to my, to my friends, my family. I didn't have a therapist back in high school. And so I was going to ask, like, were you going to therapy? Were you mm -hmm. diagnosed with depression? Are you just now looking back new? Oh, I knew. Yeah, I know. I wasn't diagnosed. Um, my parents had split when I was, um, 15 and they, you know, sort of put me with a therapist, but it wasn't a good fit. And Mm. I went for like, two times so no work was done in a professional setting okay so it was really just me and like me dealing with all this stuff myself and so um Mm. yeah and and it was hard because like I knew my especially my mom like she knew something was going on but you know I there was this one moment where I was like just laying in bed like being real quiet like I mean I don't know it was like four in the during the day like it wasn't like I was sleeping or whatever and she's like Erica are you depressed and I was like, in my head, I said, you just said no, right? So she would leave me alone. So I could be alone and cry about being depressed. Cause like, yeah, I am, but I'm also 15. And it's like, I don't know, mom. Like I like, mm. but you know, like, and it's, it's so hard to think about that moment because she knew and I knew, but the connection, like to break open that conversation wasn't, it just wasn't there. I didn't feel comfortable doing it. I mean, you know, what 15 year old would. This is why we have to have more of these conversations because I don't even think as parents, it's like, sure. What 15 year old knows how, right. But also as parents, there's no guidebook. There's no rule book. If Mm. they had never had the conversations about mental health, how are they going to help you talk about it? Like it's a lot of layers. Okay. So that was when you were 15 Mm -hmm. in depression. Then what happened? Um, I, I became more independent. I went to college and it actually wasn't until my senior year of college that I like took the first step to go to therapy. So Mm. I'd been dealing with depression, anxiety, just on my own. I mean, you know, a boyfriend here, a best friend there talking about it, but not really the same as like try and get help. So, um, I had this, this sort of triggering moment. I was dealing with, with, some really difficult people at college, some of my peers. Um, and I think that combined with the stress of school just sort of broke me a little, like broke a little piece mm. of me off. And so um, I was like, you know what? I want to try therapy. I want to give it a shot and see if it helps. You took it upon yourself. Yeah. Nobody suggested it to you. You went and got it. Yeah. Which I, I'm sure a lot of people can't or don't feel they can, you know? Sure. Yeah. And so, so I feel lucky. I feel lucky in that way. Yeah. Um, how'd you know, like, had anyone talked to you about therapy? And I asked this because it's just not something I think that we talk about enough. And I feel like therapy has looked at this thing. It's like, well, you have to have a problem and it's only for X, Y, Z thing. I think that personally, I mean, who wouldn't love someone to just sit there and listen to you talk? It almost never happens. Right. Um, so yeah, how did you know that therapy was an okay or good option? Did you feel like you could tell people that you were going to therapy? Like, I mean, so it, it was this weird combination because we talk about therapy and mental health or a lot of us do very openly now. And it's, it's, you think so? I think more so than at that time for me. And I think especially like kind of our generation much more so. Um, I think there's still total stigma around it. And I think a lot of people are fearful because of those stigmas. Um, 
And so, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking of examples on social media, right. Where it's like memes or like, you know, photos of, oh my gosh, my therapist told me this and every, you know, Mm. and it's sort of like popularizing therapy. Sure. Oh, that, I didn't think about it. You're not wrong. That didn't, that was not a thing for, you know, and I mean, this was only a few years ago, but it wasn't as accepted as it is now. Sure. Still not totally accepted, but definitely we've made improvements. Um, and so I, like, I'm not even really sure. Um, the only thing I can say is I did have a roommate who was going to therapy um, and she was having a good experience from it. And I knew that my university had like a a counseling and mental health resource. Mm. So, and it was um, marketed on campus and, you know, you could go to this room and make an appointment or online or however it worked, but it was there, it was present and um, people knew about it. And so I think just having that there, knowing it was there, it was like, well, I might as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, I mean, that was it. Yeah. Like, you know, I didn't have people suggesting it. I didn't have like people who've been to therapy, like telling me how great it is, how it should go, um, specifically for traumas or anything like that. Yeah. It was just, it was more of a leap of faith, if anything. College. Yes. Having everything. I miss college sometimes. Um, Yeah. I know. Um, Okay, cool. So you go to therapy. Mm Mm-hmm. You said this was your senior year. Mm-hmm. And the first time you really talked about your brother was when you're 20. So I imagine. Yeah. And that's maybe the spark of, of what changed. Like, yeah. What, so what happened? Well, the, the first therapist I saw was very kind. Um, I actually tried to do like, I tried a medication right off the bat um, and it wasn't a good fit for me. So I ended up kind of moving off of it and it was helpful. It was definitely helpful because even though I only saw her so many times, I, I was getting something from it Mm. enough to be like, okay, there's, you know, there's some, some value here. There's something to be explored. Um, so I mean, that was my senior year. So I graduated, right. I only got to see her a couple of times. Um, but I, I was invested enough that I figured, okay, I'm graduating and moving back home and I'm going to find someone that's back home because this is something that I think I need. Um, and so since then I've seen a couple different therapists, um, and I've been on, um, a couple different medications. I've been on, I've been off, I've been back on. Um, and that's also been very helpful to me. Um, and you know, it's not for everyone. It's a matter of doing the work and figuring out what works, but it's all just been a real, like really big experiment. I mean, to be totally honest. And, um, you know, finding, finding someone you can connect with. It's not about, you know, finding someone that you're going to cry in front of on the first visit or whatever. It's just like establishing a connection, kind of going through your day, what you're going through, stuff that you have been through that you want to work on. I mean, actually, I just started seeing a new therapist here. Um, and I almost have this like script ready when there's a new one. It's like, okay, so these are my childhood traumas and these are, you know, these traumas and I haven't gotten to work on them yet, but they're goals of mine and X, Y, Z, right? It's like, but that's just me. Like, I just, I like to have a recipe for everything, right? Or have everything set up and planned. And so, um, but there's, there's so much that I want to work on still. I mean, having only been in therapy for a few years now, um, and having had different ones, it's like, you know, I haven't really gotten to that, 
real work that I have, I know I have to do and want to do, and it's going to be super uncomfortable. Um, but it's, it's something that I know is going to make me better in the long run. Doing the work. I mean, okay. So we've established I'm older than you, obviously. Um, you're 25. I'm 32. I wouldn't say obviously. I would. Well, I, only because everyone, <laughs> people that have listened and know how old I am and you're 25. That's the only reason. Okay. Not because I look old. <laughs> you look young or anything like that. No. Um, I think like around 24, 25 is when I really started like digging into myself mm-hmm. and doing the work. That's what you say. I still think that like, there's no, I say this because to anybody that's listening that might be, has never gone to therapy or never talked about some of the stuff they've been through in their life. Do you, and I was going to just give the answer, but I'll let you <laughs> like talk about it. Is there a final destination? Is it like, oh, I'm going to go to therapy for a month and then all of my mental health and trauma is going to be healed, resolved and dealt with? No, no way. Think of it like, a pottery class. So you've never go- taken a pottery class. Neither have I. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny that that was your example. Okay. I don't, I just like, I like that example because it's like, it's hands-on. And so, you know, so that we go to a pottery class, we've never been before. So we're learning about what it is, what the goals are, what we want to get out of it. We want to be, we want to make beautiful stuff. Right. And so there are techniques that we have to learn um limitations about what we're working with and you know and there's no right or wrong way to do it and everyone learns it at their own pace and at the end everyone's result is different so I'm actually pretty impressed I came up with the analogy yeah heck yes like you've been marinating (laughs) oh my god no um but but now that I'm thinking about it it's like oh my god it's like the perfect example because the whole point of therapy is not to like talk out all your problems and like purge everything. It's, it's to learn about how you deal with stuff and learning about maybe changing some of those ways that you deal with stuff so that you can feel better, like connect better with people. And no, it's never, it's, it's, there's never a final like destination or limit or anything. I mean, go to therapy right up until the end, like, you're going to say something new each time. You're going to probably learn something new each time. Well, I mean, think our life doesn't stop when we go to therapy. Like life continues and things keep happening, exactly. right? Like you have something new to deal with now. We all have something to deal with now with the pandemic and the election. It might be traumatic for some of us. <laughs> might be might be literal trauma for some people. Yeah. Um, that being said, part of what therapy does, it gives you tools and your tool belt to be able to deal with those things, but they're going to continue happening. Life continues happening. Exactly. So we're constantly growing, changing, developing. But one thing that I'm hearing from you about therapy and correct me if I'm assuming things are putting them in your mouth, but my hunch is that by you going and talking to your therapist and getting these things out, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like freeing, that first step, like you said, like sharing it with somebody else allows those people to then do it, but you sharing it with one person, did that not open the door for you to share with a lot of other people? Yeah, for sure. No, (laughs) touch me all you want. I don't care. Um, No, yeah, you're exactly right. 
And yeah, you kind of touched on two things there. So it's like that feeling of relief, right? Like, and, and, you know, we kind of talked about how writing can be therapeutic because for some people getting all that stuff out is like so relieving. Oh, it's just get it off the brain. Taking a 50 pound weight off your show. Let's touch on that. How did it feel that first time that you talked about your brother? It was hard. Remember? I mean, it was hard because it was the first time that I was like having a conversation about it with somebody and, and it, it didn't involve anything else. And I, I say that because there were some other things involved, like um, kind of grief support groups that my parents were part of and events that were happening. So there was always some sort of extraneous thing. And when I went it, and talked about it, it was just that. And, and hard, you know, it was hard in that way. It was easy in the way that this person knows nothing about me except for what I tell her. So mm. she doesn't know what I posted on Instagram last week. She doesn't know what I said 20 minutes ago. She doesn't know my whole backstory. Whatever I'm willing to offer her is how she's going to kind of like assess it. Um, and so that made it kind of easy. And I think, I think in that same way, I find it personally easier to share these things with strangers than to the people that are closer to me. You know, I think a lot of people would feel that same way because that person can't have an impact on your life. Right. There's no judgment. They don't get to tell all the other people in your life. It really is a true third party. I'm going to dump it. Yeah. I never have to think of it. Yeah. But, but to your point, point, um, yeah, it makes it easier to discuss it with other people then because you're taking that first step and it's like, okay, one person did it. And I didn't die. Right. Nothing bad. I mean, you know, who kn- when I say nothing bad happens, I mean, like, nothing bad happens. Maybe you felt, like, a little gross because you were vulnerable or, like, ugh. But did you really? No. Or did you feel free I felt relieved. Yeah. And, I mean, think about, you know, the the hours and hours long conversations that you've had with friends and how kind of good you feel at the end that, like, you know, all this stuff, like, so-and-so's dating him and you've been kind of holding it all in and you finally get it all out. Same, same kind of thing. Right. But you did say something that I think is really important is that it's not easy. Mm. It is hard. And it, they call it doing the work for a reason because it's not necessarily fun and joyful and blissful mm-hmm. at first. Right. It's the end result that like you have that, but you got to work through the muck. Right. First. Um, or like the aha moment that you have when you're, using a skill that you learn in practice mm. or in, re- you know, in real life. And you're like, and you kind of think, oh, wow, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to do that. Or, you know, if, if that were me six months ago, I never would have handled it sure. like that. Okay. What's an example of a skill or tool or something that, mm. that has had a dramatic impact on your life? So one in particular has more to do with um, my anxiety. And so it was, it was, it was one of the earlier therapists that I had met with and kind of talked about how my anxiety is sort of like a compulsive anxiety. So it's like, something's always happening. You're always thinking about something. Um, and, and that kind of snowball effect that people can have with their thoughts. Mm. And so she had suggested, well, you know, think of a stop sign or like, just tell yourself to stop. Like, just say the word stop mid thought or whatever. And just like kind of hold on to it if you can and work Mm. on that. 
And that was super helpful for me because, you know, it, it's not, it's not easy to just jump in and do, but if you kind of take the time to practice it or, you know, even just, you know, so you say it's happening and you just do it once and you are like, oh, okay, so I can do this. And then you keep putting it into, into motion. Um, it's, it was so helpful for me. And so now when I'm feeling that sort of snowball effect, um, or overthinking, I can kind of just say, hold on, like, take a second, take a deep breath. And like, what can you do to help yourself right now? Mm. So for me, like I'm a huge to-do list person, list maker. And so I like having a plan of action and, and things to check off my to-do list and getting everything written down. All right. So from having this sort of snowball effect, like today, basically get the thoughts out, just get them out. Yeah. Yeah. Write them down. Yeah. Like today I was, I was, I had all these things that I knew I had to do and I, I just kept thinking cause you get overwhelmed mm. and then you don't, then you don't know where to start. And then you're scrolling on your phone for three hours and you do nothing and then you feel worse for me. I mean, just speaking from personal experience, but, um, you know, so then it's like, okay, take a second, write everything down. Maybe there's a couple you can devote some time to today and not everything has to be done all at once, all at the same time. Totally. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, I can, I can manage checking off two things off my list today. Tomorrow I can dedicate time to two more things. I think that like, there's some, it's funny. Cause I'm not a list person. I'm not. And I, I wouldn't call myself a very organized <laughs> looking at my shoe pile for no one that can see which is actually like kind of organized for me yeah. it's organized but it's messy I think for anybody that's really like all the pairs are together into that yeah yeah they are um but I'm not a list person but I know when I do make a list and I check things out oh my god it feels great mm-hmm. I can see it clearly like I had to go to Target today um and oh, I made a list because I know if I leave I won't mm-hmm. get everything I need to um, you'll walk out with 800 other things. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> For me, it's not so much about like being, that's not important to me, but I think that like, it is helpful and I wish I did it more. What is good about that and what I'm like hearing from you. And even if you don't take everything off the list, less about that, more about getting the things out of your head. Mm-hmm. So they're there. So you don't have to keep rerunning it over and over and over and over again. Yep. Um, it's so it's so simple, mm-hmm. but it helps dramatically um so anyway it's definitely about getting it out making lists the point is and like I said I'm not necessarily this person but it does feel good to get it out when I write for 10 minutes a day and organize my thoughts so even if you're not a list person find something that works for you there's no magic bullet for anything in mental because by the way anxiety might look different for you also than it looks for me or a depression looks for somebody else um but kind of to switch gears a little bit um just because of the time that we're going through and I mean I don't know like with what you have going on now for the last two weeks I mean let's go back to the beginning of COVID and and all of this I mean as somebody who I, I consider myself really fortunately, very mentally stable and healthy um, for the majority of my life, granted, I've had like spurts of depression. I would say right now I'm in a dip of depression. Um, literally depends on the day and the hour, but it does. Yeah. 
and anxiety, which I'd never had called myself an anxious person, but I had a panic attack for the first year of my life this year. Um, and anxiety has been a really real thing for me. Um, and I've, I say it, but I don't necessarily know how to deal with it. And then I say it and people like hear me and they're like, oh yeah, yeah. But there's not necessarily like help the convert. It's Mm -hmm. weird. So I guess my whole thing for you is like, what's been going on in 2020, especially as somebody who's kind of like been dealing with mental health for a, a little while and has some tools and therapy, like what's been going on this year specifically and in the last two weeks? Well, it's, it's been a lot of processing. So, and I feel like 2020 with like, I don't even know how to process any of it, to be honest. Yeah. Well, who does? I mean, so you've got, and like you said, life doesn't just stop. Right. So you've got this pandemic and you've got this politically charged country and you've got, you know, climate change and like everything happening across the world. And the news is always terrible. Plus everything that's happening in your life, because that's going to happen regardless. Just like my dad having a stroke, it's like, that was probably going to happen whether or not we had an election coming up and whether or not we had this huge pandemic. And so I feel like it's especially been hard this year because it's, it's like, oh my God, everyone's just a human being. Like there's only so much you can process at once. And I think this year has seen a huge increase in people seeking out therapy and sort of mental health resources, especially being home, being confined with the quarantine and everything that happened with that, um, the fears that come along with the pandemic, plus again, whatever's happening in your personal life. Um, and so in that way, it's, it's almost a silver lining to come out of it that more people are feeling brave enough to make those steps. Um, and hopefully that that makes us stronger as a whole, that people are, you know, more people are doing it, more people are, are trying it at the very least, right? And like beyond grateful to, if any, no matter who listens to this, personally, selfishly, I'm beyond grateful that we had this conversation because when it comes to mental health, this year specifically, the only thing, not the only thing, there's a thousand things I think of when it comes to it, but is how horrible it is and how much more dramatic and that suicide rates have gone up and rates of all of these things. But what you just said is so beautiful. It's the flip side of it in that, I mean, I have friends, our therapists and their businesses have gone through the roof. Mm -hmm. People are getting more help. People are talking about it more. We are seeing more posts about it and it is brought to the surface more. So actually that's really hopeful and beautiful. And thank you for that because truly like, I'm like, oh, it's so terrible. But, and it's hard not to feel that way. There's always a silver lining. Yeah. And and it's, it's, you know, I say that as someone who's, who's been lucky enough to have the resources that I've had Mm. and the experiences that I've had. And even, you know, even going through this with my dad, it's so important to like try to have that outlook or just, you just try whatever you can, like whatever you're able to do, because not everyone can like hold on to that. Like I have been lucky enough to been like been able to have done like, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just talking about this with, with a friend that it's like, you know, I'm not really a person who when they're feeling low, 
I can't just think, you know, I should really be grateful for all the stuff that I have and what's going right in my life. And, you know, cause a lot of people can be sort of like preaching that like, well, you know, sure. You may be feeling down, but think of all the good stuff in your life. It's yeah. like, for me, I can't just flip a switch like that. I kind of have to like feel it for real. And so therapy helps in that way too, because mm. it kind of forces you to, to go to those places and not just say, yeah, you know, like this week was horrible, but you know, at least my car didn't break down or sure. something. And so it's, it's not easy. And it's not even really that normal for people to just be able to do that. But, you know, people try to, to help in whatever way they can. And so they offer that as like, you know, well, at least, you know, this, and, and, and it's, it is helpful in that people are trying to be positive about it. Right. Um, but especially, I mean, it's so hard, like watching the news, like hearing things, like it's so overwhelming. And so, yeah, I mean, trying to hold on to that silver lining to, or trying to see what the good is that can come out of it, because sure. I mean, I'm sure suicide rates, um, I mean, I don't know the statistics. I would imagine that they're a little bit higher with what people have had to deal with. I mean, getting laid off from your job, you know, being stuck inside your house, like fear, all this stuff. Like, and so it's important to acknowledge that those things are happening too. Um, but if, if this silver lining of people getting more help, you know, can reduce those numbers in the long run, I mean, that's the really, the really good, hopeful part about it. Um, and the best thing about that is, you know, these people who are attempting therapy and really taking these steps, once they start to see what they can get from it, it they're not just going to stop because the election's over or sure, because sure. a vaccine comes out, right? Because there's always going to be more fear. There's always going to be more trauma to deal with. Um, and like you said, life goes on. So I think once you get a taste of what it can do for you, you can't really turn back on it. You know, mm -hmm. once you uncover the blind spots, you keep going. And I want to like, as beautiful and important and helpful as I think therapy is, the reality, unfortunate reality, especially in this country with our unfortunate, crazy, expensive healthcare. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has access to therapy. No, you're right. It's definitely not cheap. And so we were talking about, you mentioned writing and plants are really therapeutic to you, animals as mm -hmm. well. What are things that you have done that, and are currently doing mm -hmm. that help you process and deal with the trauma that you've been through and anxiety and stuff like that, that isn't therapy? Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff. Uh, Plants, probably number one, because, and, and the, the concept did come technically from a therapist who my friend was seeing, but the way she, my friend had put it, it was just, it just made sense. Like it just clicked because I wasn't a plant person like two, three years ago. Right. Like quote unquote plant person. Um, but she said that her therapist recommended to her that she try planting something because she needed the feeling of being able to nurture and care for something. Mm. And so that's, that's what it is for me mm. because plants are very like house plants are very trendy right now is how I'll put it. And so, you know, some people do it for home decor. Some people do it just because they like the look or whatever. Some people like me do it because there's this feeling you get when you, 
pot something and you have like you're working with the dirt hands on and there's this living thing just like a pet that totally depends on you for survival Mm. and you get to water it you know however many times it needs to be watered in order for it to be its best. Mm. And, you know, and then when it wilts, you know, cause it's not getting enough water, you're like, Oh my God. And then you save it. And then, you know, not all the time. They don't always get saved, but it's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's that feeling of caring for something and like the, the potting itself and working with the soil and the plant is like very grounding. Mm. I know it's like kind of a cliche term to use, but Um, yeah, I mean, anything kind of like that. And art is the same way. Music is the same way. I'm, I'm an artist too. Um, and like, I grew up playing the piano and I grew up painting and drawing and the physical like release of that is so therapeutic. Mm. And that's why art therapy is great too. Not to jump back to the therapy train, but I mean, you know, even if you, you know, if you're doodling in class or you just have some stuff lying around or whatever, just throw some paint on a canvas. Like it feels awesome. Just do it. It doesn't have to look any particular way. You know, you don't have to paint the Mona Lisa, but the feeling that you'll get is what you're, what you really want. Right. And, um, I'm a huge animal lover. Um, I'm like half allergic to cats, but I, I love cats too, but I'm a big dog person. Um, and, you know, like emotional support animals are, are more popular now these days. Um, and to just kind of have something again, depends on you for survival, you know, a lot of, of actual trained emotional support animals or service animals, you know, are amazing comforts. And there's totally incredible ways that they're trained to help you and, you know, help you if you're having a panic attack or just being there, if you need kind of like something, some kind of like love from another creature, you know, all of those things are so, so important, but you know, you brought up a good point that a lot of people don't have access to those things. Like not everyone can go out and buy a dog or art supplies or plants or afford therapy. And so it's, a lot of it too is giving yourself space and time to do what you like that feels good. That's, you know, doesn't hurt anybody else or, you know, doesn't infringe upon anybody else. If that's playing basketball or some other sport or, you know, just like going for a walk and enjoying nature or putting in your earphones and just taking like half an hour to just like do your thing those are all really important too. It's all this, you know, under this self-care umbrella. And I feel like, you know, today, a lot of, a lot of people get wrapped up in self-care as like taking a bubble bath with your wine glass in your book or whatever, like, you know, and it's, it's, it's not always that. I mean, take a bath. Yeah. Like advocate for baths right here. Like just really calming or whatever, but it's about taking that time and doing stuff that feels good. Totally. I think that, okay, you mentioned so many things. So <laughs> playing basketball, putting your ear pods, your AirPods in or headphones, whatever they are, um, taking a bath, uh, writing, listening to music, creating art, getting a plant, having a pet. If I could summarize, by the way, there's so many more. I'm a big like nature person. Mm-hmm. So I love going for hikes, going for swim, was on my paddleboard today. Yeah. Um, but 
there's a thousand things. Make what works for you. There's 7 billion people in the world. It's not like I can tell you what's going to work for you, but the point is to do something. And I think you summarize the things that you're talking about. There's like one category that is literally about expression, mm -hmm. getting it out in whatever way that looks like, whether it's writing a poem, mm -hmm. writing a journal entry, talking to a therapist, talking to a friend, screaming it out in a metal song, get it out, mm -hmm. right? The other part is love, giving and receiving. Mm -hmm. Give it to the plants, receive it from the animal, give it to the animal, get it back. So find something and self-love, that's where self-care comes in, like all of that. So expression and love, um, which is really what this whole podcast is at the end of the day. I think that what happens is when we hold things in and don't talk about it because it feels too scary and traumatic, well, that's when we crumble and go deep inside ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's talking about it, sharing mental health. I mean, I kind of want to go back to just talking about it and mm -hmm. getting it out. Like, Well, before we go there, go ahead. I just want to... So, because something that's been on my mind, so the self-care activities that I mentioned, I guess when, when I was thinking about that, what I was trying to picture is, you know, someone who is in like a marginalized community or mm -hmm. who doesn't have a lot of access to stuff because, you know, doing, you know, whatever you have to work with, like there there's something like and you know we hold on to it because those things will you can always carry with you and will make you know if you are able to work and have access to something you know to therapy like say it's just not in your picture but then down the road you can't like those things will help you get there yeah because I'm thinking of you know people in the LGBTQ community, people of color, they don't have, like, I'm your white girl. Like, it, you know, I don't have those experiences and I can't speak to them. So of course, you know, I say buy a plant and do art and stuff, but you know, those people in those communities, they just don't have those resources all the time. I mean, you know, thankfully there are- I'm gonna stop you really yeah. quickly couple of things that you said that I think are really important to for based on who I am and what I stand for. Um, I really don't like to use the term those communities, okay. those types of people. Um, I understand why you're saying it. And especially in the context of access resources, any person from any background, whatever it is, may or may not have access. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it's fair to say, well, I'm the white girl, I get the access, those groups don't. That actually perpetuates all of the things that we talk about, and racism, prejudices, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and by the way, I'm really glad that you said that because I think these are really beautiful, important, and necessary conversations to have. And I know exactly the point that you're trying to make. Yeah. It's really important to know that anyone cannot have access. And by the way, anybody can have a ton of access and privilege, even if you are LGBTQ, yeah. which I identify as queer. So I'd put myself in that category. Um, or even if you're not white, right? A person yeah. of color. So there's all of that. But I do think that the point that you're making is really important. Yeah. Not everybody has access to this stuff. I guess I should have worded that differently. What, what I meant was that I 
I only have this one lens. Yeah. Right? So I can't speak to, and you're totally right. You're totally right. I can't By the way, speak. we, we only have this one lens of trauma too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. it applies to everything we're talking about. Right. There are traumas that I'll never know personally. And so, yeah, that, that's totally what I, what I meant. It was trying to say um, that it's, and I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally know that. But yeah. I would for, be remiss. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If and I didn't I apologize it. for, for making it sound that way. Cause I totally don't, don't mean worry. that. Yeah. It's just, you know, I have this one kind of perspective, but what the crux of it is whatever you do have access to that makes you feel good. That is therapeutic to you. That doesn't, you know, infringe on anybody else just hold on to that. And then, you know, hopefully you are in a place later in your life that you have more access to resources for mental health. And those things that you held on to when you didn't will help you. Absolutely. And I don't think that they have to go away, you know, like it doesn't have, they can all complement each other. One thing that, that you're making me think of that I didn't mention, I don't, know that either of us really mentioned it enough. I think we've touched on it, but you're saying, okay, hold on to these things. Um, and you were talking about when you're in a kind of a, let's say something happens, right? And everyone's like, well, think of all the good stuff in your life. I can't say that I haven't been one of those people. I think I'm one of those people more often than not. Um, and even in my own stuff, I'm, I'm like every, not every time, but a lot of times where I'm like, uh, I'm feeling bad, which has been a lot in the past couple of weeks. It's like, well, I actually like, I'm healthy. I have a roof over my head. I am like, I can definitely talk myself out of why I shouldn't feel the way that I do, mm-hmm. which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. I have my feelings. My experience is my experience and lean into it, feel it. It's okay. Because so like, don't hold on to it necessarily, but like in my own experience, it's equally as important to process, deal with, and be in the shit. Mm-hmm. I swore. Um, <laughs> as it is to work your way out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's like, uh, that's like the push and pull of depression because, um, like, Ooh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So like depression, like for me, how I feel it, it's this really fam- like familiar feeling, like this almost comforting feeling, right? Whoa. But it's not, I know it's not good for me and I know it's not good for me to stay there. And, you know, depression itself can be a day, it can be four months, like, you know, it can be however long of a time. And so it's when it, you know. It's, what do you mean comforting? Like, and I've, I've, I've been trying to explain this to my therapist too, because I've had a hard time kind of verbalizing it, but it's like, it's, it's, it's this feeling that you know, because you've had it forever. And so it's very familiar to you. And so I say comfort kind of in that familial way. Like I know this feeling I've sat with it before and I've, been sitting with it for a long time where I've kind of adapted to what it is, how it feels and like what I do within it. So interesting. That's almost more normal in a way. Right. Than kind of feeling more alive and lit up. And yeah. Yeah. Wow. So interesting, which I, I imagine probably rings true for a, a ton of people that have been dealing with it for the majority of their life. Yeah. But it's, you know, and, and having to, 
it's like it's you know again speaking from personal experience I haven't had to deal with addiction in like the traditional sense but it's like it's almost like that where it's like well this is you know this is how I want to feel like this is where I want to be Mm -hmm. these are the feelings I want to have and so trying like having to think about like that it's not good for me right in the long run or having to think about this really shouldn't be how I want to feel or how I want to be is very hard to take that step to kind of step out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because not only are you feeling depressed, it, and maybe it's not comforting, comfortable, comfortable. Yes. I don't know. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Comfortable. Yeah. I, I mean, get that. it's yeah. like being in a shitty relationship, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, it's bad. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't be in it, but it's comfortable. Right. Because you've been in it long you enough. And it. the idea of not being in it is more uncomfortable than staying in that. Yeah. Yes. Huh. So interesting. But but what we talked about is also true, you know, and, and I'm learning I'm still learning that totally about emotions and that you you have to be with them. You have to honor them. And that's that's my big thing because I actually have a lot of issues with vulnerability. I know it may not seem like it because I'm just like, you know, having this conversation with you, but um no I can feel that from you by the way because (laughs) you do talk about it nonchalantly yeah like an event that happened to you but is not currently happening to you because I don't know how it's currently happening to you and your feelings yeah I just know it happened yeah it's very different yeah yeah and so you know like I I've been trying to work at honoring feelings especially feelings of like sadness all right so like these last couple of weeks with my dad I have been all over the emotion map and so I, I don't doubt it yeah there have there have been some days where I just you know I'm like I'm laying on the floor I'm crying next to my dogs that's it I'm not cooking I'm not cleaning I'm not even watching tv because I don't want any of that stuff I need to just like let this out right mm. and you know it's it, there are some feelings that are easier to feel than others so mm. like I have like road rage issues and like a short temper, which it could get from my parents for sure. But, um, but anger is actually an easier and, and like annoyance and frustration are easier emotions for us to feel than sadness and sadness. Totally. Or especially speaking from personal experience, fear. When I, if someone cuts me off right on the highway and I'm like, holy, whatever, I immediately go into road rage mode because the anger is way easier for me to deal with process. It's deflection. Yeah. Than to be like, oh my God, that was terrifying and like feel the fear because you don't want to feel it. Right. So it's, it's, it's so important to sit with those and honor your feelings and like really work. That's so much of the work is recognizing them, letting them happen, giving them time and space and then being able to kind of move from them. Mm. That's like this sort of smooth kind of process that therapy helps you achieve. It's like giving yourself grace and kindness and time and like, just like you would give anybody else, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we forget to give it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's an interesting- I never thought about anger as like a deflection of fear or something. I mean, that makes so much sense. And it's so funny because like, I've that's how I've been all my life. But it was like the last therapist I think that I met with that I kind of made this realization. And I was like, oh my God, that's why I've been so 
short-tempered and irritable with all the people that I love. Like, And it's one little thing. Yeah. That creates this huge aha moment that transforms everything. I mean, that's why, but you couldn't have come up on that with your own. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could have, well, I'm not speaking English properly. Maybe you could have, but maybe it would have taken you longer. And all it took was somebody else's third party person. Anyway. Yeah. No, totally. Um, okay, Erica, just to wrap things up, I want to go back to like where you're at currently. So yeah, let's, how are you feeling as of today, November 1st, 2020, with your mental health and the trauma that's going on. You could be really vulnerable with us. I, well, today was a, a pretty good day. So I did some stuff for me. I met with people that I really care about. So today itself was pretty good. And and I I didn't, you know, I've checked in with myself. I didn't feel like today I needed to to cry, have a cry session or, you know, do anything. It's just not today. Um, I don't know what tomorrow's going to be like. And that's, you know, in the way that emotions have been like up and down and up and down throughout our lives, my day-to-day for the last two weeks has been high, low, high, low, all over the place. And so <laughs> I imagine morning, afternoon, evening yeah. probably look different too. So today... And this week, this was, it was just a good weekend. I mean, you know, seasonal depression is something that I suffer with too. And so it's just good to have some good weather. I was about to say the weather was delicious this weekend. Yeah. It was helpful. I was around some really good people doing good stuff. And so that was good. I go back to Connecticut soon. And so I think the emotions of going back, the reality of what's happening the fact that I'm not going to be here where I'm, I'm building a life and I'm happy for an extended period of time. is going to be hard. The fact that I don't have a job right now, those, those are going to settle in as the week goes on for me, as it kind of leads up to, you know, this change that's going to happen, the shift in my life. So I'm kind of getting in the good feels while I have them for right now. Um, yeah, this, this moment is all that we got. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, tomorrow, it may be sort of like wishy-washy Tuesday. Maybe I'll just cry all day, have some chocolate lava cake. I don't know. but <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. And, you know, maybe when I get to Connecticut, maybe I'll feel good because I'm a family. Maybe I'll feel crap and I need, like, a day to sleep. Like, you just got to take it one day at a time. So right now in this moment, I'm relatively content. Knock on wood. Good. Yeah. I love that. Well, I hope in this exact moment, you're feeling content and yeah. at ease. Um, I'm glad that you had a good day. Thank you. I really appreciate that you give yourself the space to be like, okay, let's see how I'm going to feel. And then, okay, go with it. Mm-hmm. I think that's really beautiful because, yeah, I have no idea what the next moment is. But give ourselves that grace. Um Erica, is there anything that you want to share about your own path of mental health, your own path of trauma, anything with your own personal experience? Because the other question I'm going to ask you to end with is anything that you want to say or impart and anybody that's listening that might be dealing with their own mental health challenges, going through their own trauma or know somebody that is. So two things. Uh... So you can start with the first, your own shared, your own own experience that maybe I didn't ask you that you want to share. Um, 
I just, I mean, like we said, I'm just, I'm taking it one day at a time and trying to wake up with that perspective every day. And I try to make sure that I'm proud of myself regularly for Mm. doing what I've done and giving an effort and trying to do the work because it's not about, you know, completing stuff. It's about just the effort of things. Not about the destination, about the journey. As cheesy and cliche (laughs) as it is, it's very true. Like literally could not be more true. Yes. I laughed because it is so cheesy, but it's, it's very true. Um, and yeah, I mean, for everybody and else, wait, by the way, yeah, I did read this thing this morning. I was reading like some different like gratitude writing prompts. Yeah. Cause as I mentioned, I've been in my own depression spurt. I don't know what the word I want to use for that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for me personally, not only writing is healing, but gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the prompts today was like, okay, write down what you're proud of for yourself in the past 48 hours. And I was like, oh God, like, I don't know. It was overwhelming for me, but I didn't ever thought of that as a gratitude practice, but it, of course it is. Like I'm proud of myself because of this X, Y, Z thing is like another thing I can be grateful for. So yeah. I love that. And when you have to think, what am I proud of myself for every day? That definitely changes your actions and what you do. So thanks for saying all of that. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. I love that. Okay. Yes. Anything else you'd like to share or impart on anything? To the world? Else? Yeah, about mental health, trauma. Um, it's no matter who you know, everyone's dealing with it in some way or some form, whether or not you think they're showing it or if you can maybe just take a step back and think that's why someone's acting like that is because they're it's everything is connected Hmm. especially on the inside and so just acknowledging that and I guess trying to be a little bit more empathetic every day and with everyone that you meet will help make this world so much better and so much less hostile and so much less individualistic um show up with love yeah rather than fear yeah yeah and and everybody's trauma is different everybody's mental health journey is different there is no recipe for you know your best self but whatever effort you try to put into it will help get you there thank you so much um just a really, really beautiful person. And it's not an easy topic to talk about. And our own journey is so funny because I like to share our own personal stories because they can help. And when it comes to mental health and trauma, you mentioned this a bunch of times, the own, our own journeys are so important to share, but it is so unique. There's no two paths alike when dealing with, I mean, what is it, what is it called? The like five stages of grief. I oh mean, yeah. It doesn't look the same for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so find the path that works for you, but thank you for sharing yours. I'm sending out so much love and all my like prayers and thoughts for healing for your dad, um, and your family. And thank you. Thank you for having me. This is an important conversation. I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad you're a part of it. Okay. Thanks everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the One World, Your Story podcast. If you enjoyed hearing this story and you wish to hear more, 
Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube. And of course, follow us on Instagram at One World Your Story. From all of us here at the One World Your Story podcast, we are sending you so much joy and love. Have a wonderful rest of your day.